We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. He's a great friend of our church. Seems to rock up about this time every year. And um, him and Michelle. Greg taught me in Bible college back in 23, wasn't it? 1923? <laughs> I was actually soon after that, like late 80s actually, mid 80s. Also taught Ben, uh, my son, the other pastor here in Bible college. Great friends of ours. And uh, for most of his sort of ministry, he's taught in Bible college and principal of Bible college. Uh, great photographer, by the way, if you're on social media, follow him. He's also with me on our state executive for the Australian Christian Churches. And he's, he's the wise person. I was going to say the wise guy. No. No. He's the wise person. When people, the young guys don't know what to do, they just turn to Greg. And he drops this pearl of wisdom. And everybody breathes a sigh of relief. And uh, has uh, faithfully served God for many years and always been... Uh, I suppose a mentor to many. I want you to give him a hand as he brings the word. Right, thank you. It's so good to be here. Always love coming, and uh, it's always good to come around Christmas time. Weather's great, and it's good to give Pastor Darren a little bit of a break as well. So I know what he's doing. You know, he doesn't really want me here, but he doesn't have to preach, so it's a good way to get out of it. So. That's awesome. Thank you so much for the invitation. We really love coming to the church here. This church has had a great, great heritage. Of course, Pastor Don, we were uh, sadly un- unable to come to that service, but we watched it online and we part of that. But you know, what a great heritage this church has. And Pastor Darren and Kerry continuing that heritage. This is a, an outside, I say it every year, I think, but I really mean it. This is a lighthouse church uh, across the state, I believe. It's, it's a, an incredible church that many people... You know, how to do church, they think about this church and see its impact on the community. So thank you so much for the opportunity to come and share with us today, with you today, which is awesome. I just want to know, who was that skinny little guy getting baptised, hey? Who was that? So a few years ago now, hair was a different colour. I saw a photo of myself the other day and I actually had gingery hair and it went down almost to the shoulders and... I'd forgotten that era all, it was such a long time ago, you know. Fantastic. Well, let's just pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us today. So, Father, we just open our hearts to you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that we've sensed your presence. It's been so good to lift up your name and worship you today. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, come, speak into our hearts. Come and take your word. Make it alive to us. Come and show us the Father, we pray. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, today I want to talk about something which is really dear to my heart, and that is about knowing God as our Father. And, and that's it's something that I think we sometimes struggle with for all sorts of reasons. And, and uh, you know, sometimes our fathers haven't been perfect, and, you know, that's the last place I want to go today is to stir up things in your own heart. But please come on a journey, because we've got a good Father in heaven who loves us so, so much you know just to think about reflect on how you you relate to God you know uh, let's go back to the Garden of Eden where God put Adam and Eve in that perfect garden it was absolutely perfect they could do whatever they wanted to do and everything was there for them to enjoy but we know the story there was a tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we can't go into the 
details now why it was there, but they, they, they weren't allowed to eat from this tree. In fact, God said, if you eat of this tree, you will die. So we don't know how long they were there before this incident, but there came that fateful day where they were tempted by the devil to eat of this fruit, do the very thing that God had told them not to do. And sadly, under the devil's influence, they chose to rebel against God and ate of that fruit. And it says, suddenly everything changed. Their eyes were opened and they understood that what God had said was true. And now they didn't die instantly physically, but they died spiritually on the inside and death physically began to do its work in their bodies. How would you feel if you'd been Adam and Eve and you had done just the one, there was only one thing you weren't allowed to do and you had done it. And then to make it worse, they hear the sound of God walking in the garden. And to make it even more worse, is that the right thing to say? More worse? Worser? Make it really bad. (laughs) They hear him calling out, Adam, Adam, where are you? How would you feel? Well, we know how they felt. They were afraid and they went and hid themselves. But just think about that story for a moment and put yourself in their situation. And and to sort of enlarge how you think about God is how do you imagine that voice to sound? See, we don't get an interpretation of that in the passage. It's just written on the page. Adam, Adam. Where are you? But when you read it, how do you imagine that voice to sound? For many people, they imagine a yell. They imagine a a loud, aggressive, angry voice, kind of, Adam, Adam, where are you? Like, you know, I know what you've done. Just wait till I get my hands on you. And we kind of picture God almost like a prehistoric monster stomping through the Garden of Eden, knocking over bushes and in this rage because they had broken the one thing they weren't supposed to do. How do you hear that voice? Maybe you've never thought about it, but how do you hear that? What, what is God the Father like to you for many He's angry. For many, he's perfect. In fact, we, we know that we're like Adam and Eve, aren't we? Can I come down off of this? That's okay. No, I'm going to have to get up now again. That's going to be hard, isn't it? But, you know, we know that we're like Adam and Eve. We sinned just like them. Not exactly the same, but we've all rebelled. And, and the wages of sin is death as well for us. We've crossed the line. We've rebelled. But thank God the Bible says that Jesus, the Son of God, came and took that death on our behalf. I know you know that. He died in our place instead of us. And that's true. That's exactly what happened. But we we can misunderstand that sometimes to think that Jesus saved us from this angry Father. We can kind of think, thank goodness Jesus loves me and died for me. And he saved me from that angry father. And we can almost picture this, that the father's kind of these, got a, you know, forks of lightning about to get us, you know. Oh, I'm going to get you. And Jesus 
we think, jumps in between the Father and us and, and kind of says, Father, Father, don't kill them. Kill me instead. And the Father's there going, get out the way, Jesus. Get out the way. You didn't do anything wrong. They deserve to die. But eventually Jesus wins and the Father pours his wrath out on Jesus instead of us. And we go, thank you, Jesus. You saved me from him. That's wrong theology, by the way, okay? That's not actually what happened. What does the Bible say? John 3.16, For God, the Father so loved the world that he gave his Son. Jesus never changed the mind of the Father. Yes, he took the judgment that was due ours. We can't explain all that today. But it wasn't to appease the Father. It was to fulfill the will of the Father. How do you think about the Father? You know, if you've got that attitude of Jesus saved me from the Father, we can kind of imagine we get to heaven and uh, as long as we keep Jesus between us and the Father, we'll be okay. Pop your head out and you're in trouble, you know. We almost picture the babushka dolls, you know, the doll within a doll within a doll. You know those ones? And uh, have I said that right? Something like that anyway. And like we're, we're hidden from the Father in Jesus. Now, the Bible says we are in Jesus, but not hidden from the Father. He sees us and he loves us. That's what I want to talk about today. How do, how do we know that this voice was not an angry voice, but in fact it was a voice of a broken-hearted dad who knew his kids were in trouble? And yes, there were consequences for the sin, yes, that's, yeah, but he, his heart was broken. He, he was coming to make it right. He was coming to sort it out and we, we know that in the story he comes and makes a sacrifice and clothes him and, and so on. How do we know that's the real interpretation? Well Jesus said you want to know what the father's like? He gave us the story of the prodigal son. What a great story that is. It says there a man had two sons and, and one of these sons couldn't wait for dad to die to get the inheritance. We know the story and you know, imagine the brashness of this young man. He goes to his dad and says, Dad, I can't wait for you to die to get the inheritance. I want it now, please. And strangely, the dad sells up half of what he has and hands over the cash to the son. And the boy takes the money. He doesn't even want to stay home. He leaves his family altogether and goes to a foreign land and it's party time because he's got all of this money. But, but typical of young people, he has no idea really what to do with it. And it wasn't long before the money, money ran out. And then he finds himself so poor, so destitute, he's now looking after some pigs and he's so hungry, he's even wanting to eat the pig food. He'd hit rock bottom. And then he thinks to himself, you know, back home, my dad's servants are living better than me. I don't deserve to, you know, to be a son anymore. I've, I've, you know, broke, I've burnt that bridge, but maybe I could go home, not as a son, but as a servant and get a job. At least I won't starve to death. And so the boy comes home, cap in hand, so to speak. But the amazing point of this story, we pick it up in Luke 15, it says there that... Uh, he goes up, gets up and goes to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him and, and so on and said, come on, let's kill the fatted calf. We are going to have a party because this son of mine that was lost has now been found. He was dead, but now he's alive. Come on, it's party time. This dad ran and greeted the son and embraced him and 
lavished gifts upon him. And Jesus says to us, if you want to know what the father's like, he's like that dad. He's like that dad who's so, so pleased that the boy had come home. The boy didn't even get a chance to say he was sorry. The dad just ran to him and embraced him and loved him and forgave him. What an awesome story that is. Think about the boy, though. Let's think about it from his point of view. What was he thinking about going home? We've got some options there on the, the screen, if we can put them up there. Why did he go home? Well, homesickness, maybe. Feeling sorry for himself, definitely. Man, he was you know, incredibly in need. Feeling sorry for his dad? Nah, never crossed his mind. Maybe feeling guilty? Yeah. But see, when this boy came home, he was only thinking about himself. He was destitute, he needed some help, and so he was coming home thinking about himself. But the point is he never had any idea what was going on in his dad's heart. He was expecting maybe, if things went well, to be, become a servant. And when his dad ran to him and greeted him and loved him, he was the most shocked of anybody because he had no idea how much his dad actually loved him. And you know what? I think we're a bit like that ourselves. When I got saved, I was like the prodigal son. I was only thinking about me. I knew the wages of sin was death. I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was on the wrong side of God. And so when the opportunity was given to open my heart up to God and ask him to forgive me, I was thinking about myself. I needed to be forgiven. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the time, I had no idea actually that the father was more excited about me coming home, so to speak, than I was. See, think about the boy and the dad. Who was the most excited in that moment of the reunion? It was the dad. The dad was more excited than the boy was. And I think that's the, the side of the gospel we sometimes don't think about is actually what's going on on God's side. You know, our kids are like that, aren't they? I've got two fantastic kids and, you know, especially in the teen years, we would say many times to our kids, I love you. And what sort of response would you get from the teenagers? Uh, love you. Uh, I think you're awesome. Uh, oh, I love you with all my heart. Uh, uh. Anyone got teenagers? Don't put your hands up right now. But I was the same with my, with my parents. I, fortunately, I had great parents lovely lovely mum and dad both passed away many years ago now so much so my, my dad was was a lovely lovely man but you know maybe just being young and independent I don't know but if ever I had you know something that needed to be fixed I would rarely ask my dad rarely because I kind of thought oh I don't want to bother him he was a good dad but I kind of felt, no, he's too busy. I, I won't ask him. And I'd struggle along doing stuff. My, one time I tried to fix my car. It took me two or three hours underneath the car in the street. Eventually got to the point where I knew I couldn't fix it. I asked my dad, who was just next door, put it in the garage and it was fixed in 10 minutes. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I helped my son. He had uh, an old car and the, the plastic in front of the, the headlights had gone frosted. I didn't know you can do this, but you can buy some, you know, polish, and you just polish these things back. Well, we did that together, and it probably took us half a day polishing these things. You know, it had quite a big job. If he, if he thanked me once, he thanked me a hundred times. Gee, Dad, thank you for helping me. 
And after about the fourth or fifth time of saying thank you, I said, hey, listen, you don't get it. I said, I am having a ball doing, I love doing it, not because I love the polishing, but I love doing this with you. See, it wasn't until I got my own kids that I understood that normal good parents want to spend time with their kids and will do anything for them. When they ask me to do anything, I might not like what I do. It might be hard work, but I love doing it for them. Isn't that true, parents? The dad in the story was far more excited about the boy coming home than the boy. And I suggest to you today, the Father in heaven's far more excited about you being saved than you are. He's far more committed to you than you and I are to him. Just like it is with our own kids. Isn't that amazing? How much does God love us? Well, let's look at Ephesians 1.18. Paul's praying for the Ephesians. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which the Father has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Notice that's not the inheritance for the saints. It's an inheritance in the saints. We are God's inheritance now to illustrate how we think about that before you know when my dad retired and so he downsized sold the family house and moved into a you know a a retirement village and so on and and in that process of course he was you know giving stuff you know to the kids and so on he came around one day with a plastic bag and inside the plastic bag were some wire puzzles now some of you young guys have no idea what i'm talking about because batteries are not included okay but before all the you know, battery-based games and computers, you know those wire puzzles, that are kind of bits of wire shapes that are enmeshed. And you know, with the right technique, you get them undone. And then you'd put them back. We would spend, I know it sounds really weird, but we would spend hours as kids playing with the wire puzzles. They were great fun. Well, Dad saw them in the shed one day and thought, well, Greg liked those, I'll give them to him. So he brought them in the plastic bag, the wire puzzles, and me being cheeky, just like he was, I said, gee, Dad, thanks for the inheritance. Bag of wire puzzles. And when, when we read this verse that God says that we are his inheritance, we go, yeah, I know, bag of wire puzzles. God's getting me, what an inheritance. Woohoo, yippee, let's have a party. But you know, all parents will understand this. Everything I have is my kids. I made the mistake of telling them that one day, and now they draw on everything, you know. Love photography, but some of my great lenses were at my son's house for many, 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 many months. I actually don't mind. What is mine is his. And one day, when uh, Michelle and I go, the vast Johnston Empire will become theirs. One of them might even get the bag of wire puzzles. I haven't worked out which one yet. Okay. But here's something they don't get yet because they haven't got their own kids. As much as they're going to get the vast Johnston Empire, the thing they don't get is that we, from the time they were born, got them. And their value to Michelle and myself is so much greater than all our stuff. We would gladly 
like that, give up all that we have for our kids a million times over because their value to us is immeasurable and the stuff is irrelevant compared to them. So when God says that we are his inheritance, he's not talking about a bag of wire puzzles. We are of more value to the Father than all his stuff. It's a very deep theological term, isn't it? All his stuff. More value to him than the whole universe. We are his inheritance. Just think about that. We live in a world that says that you're no good, you're second rate, you, God can't love you because of, fill in your own dots there. But God says, no, 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 no. You are the most valuable, precious possession I have. He thinks you're fabulous. He thinks you're awesome. So much so that he sent his son to get us out of trouble. How much value are we to him? Immeasurable value. And the size of that is seen in the fact he was willing to give up his son to die for us. What an amazing thing. Let's tease that out a little bit more. How are we going for time? We're doing good. John 17, 23. Jesus is in the upper room here talking to the disciples, but he's praying uh, about the disciples. He says, Father, I in them and you in me, May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So what's the big deal there? You know, God loves me, I know that. But think about that. He says there, Father, you have loved them, that's you and me now, as you have loved me. Let's paraphrase that correctly according to the original language. You have loved them in the same way that you have loved me. Do you know the Father loves you in the same way that he loves Jesus? But it gets even better than that when you look even further into the Greek. In fact, the New Living Translation puts it this way, and it's a good, solid translation. He says, Father, you love them as much as you love me. That verse says that the Father loves you and me as much as he loves Jesus. How can that be? Because, you know, think of the Father and Please, if you're a visitor this morning, we're jumping into some heavy stuff. We're talking about members of the Trinity and we haven't got time to talk about that, but all Christians believe there's one God made of three persons that interact with each other. That's complex. But the Father loves you as much as he loves his beloved son, Jesus. Think about that. They, they go way back, fraternity. When I think of the Father and Jesus, like they are like that. There's no greater love relationship than within the members of the Trinity, like, whew. That's another deep theological term just there, whew, okay? It's just, whoa. They are awesomely in love and committed to each other above any other love we know. And yet this verse says the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. 
We don't deserve it, but he loves us nonetheless. What an amazing thing. He loves us as much. So let's try and think about this on a human level. I remember I've got, I've got one natural brother and I've got two more stepbrothers and stepsisters. Many of you know Garth. He's one of my stepbrothers and uh, champion Garth. You know, he's my stepbrother because he's quite a bit smaller than me. So we understand that. But just before you know, all that happened to our family, I've got one natural brother and we're standing, I can remember, it's kind of my early memory, standing in the kitchen with mum, she's eating her breakfast and the sibling rivalry was showing, you know, little kids. Mum, who do you love the most? Did you ever ask your parents that? Who do you love the most? You know, him or me? And my brother, being the oldest, was saying, you love me because you had me, you love me the most because you had me first. And I was, I was using the baby card. No, 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 you love me more because I'm the baby, you know. And mum, being a good mum, was saying, boys, I love you just the same. Now, as little kids, we weren't happy with that. So, okay, yes, you love us just the same, but who do you love just that little bit more? It's clear as a bell I can remember doing that. We had no idea that she could love us just the same. Parents, isn't that the case? You know, you might know our story. It took Michelle and myself 11 years to have our first child. Whew. So can you imagine, we were doting parents, if you've ever seen doting. After 11 years of waiting, our little firstborn came along and we just loved him with every fibre of our being. Man, he, we called him Nathan, gift of God. We loved him. It took us another five years for the next one to arrive. We're just slow learners, I think. And when Michelle was pregnant with our second one, she literally said to me, we love Nathan so much. Where will we find more love for this next one? And, you know, it's almost like kids think that, you know, you bring that new little one, second one home, and you sit down the firstborn and you say, look, Nathan... We've loved you with all our heart up until this point. But look, there's another one now. And so we're going to take that love we've loved you and we're going to halve it right down the middle. Now you're only going to get half the love because the next one's got to... We're going to be fair, the other one's got to have... You've got to share, don't you? We kind of think... The kids think that, don't they? When the next one comes along, who do you think you are? Like, you know, you're going to... The sibling rivalry. But you don't do that, do you? When, when the next one comes along, you just love them with all your heart as well. You don't divide your love amongst your kids. You love them equally. Love is not a quantifiable thing. You, you just love because you do. I love both my kids just the same. I can't distinguish. It's the same. And, you know, if we as imperfect, selfish, self-centered parents can love our kids equally. How much more can God, whose love is perfect, when he turns to Jesus and says, I love you with all your heart, it's all his heart, and when he turns to you and says, I love you with all my heart, it's the same love. Who are we? that he would love us just the same. I got the signal here from the front row. Thank you, Michelle. She, she hates me saying that, but she's being faithful to me. That's good. Everyone's thanking you right now. But why is this important? 
Why is this important? Well, let's go back to the story of the prodigal son. See, there was a second brother there, wasn't there? There was the big brother. And, and when the prodigal son came home, the second brother wasn't happy. Whose fatted calf was that anyway? It was his inheritance, wasn't it? Who's this brother coming home who's wasted all that money, now wants some of mine? So he stays inside and sulks. He's not happy. But the dad's happy, and you know what? The story has a happy ending. Who cares that that brother stayed inside? It's a happy ending. But if we took that story and messed with it and made it non-biblical version, and in the non-biblical version, if we, if we made this the story so that the brother came out and welcomed him home and said, oh, I'm so glad that you've come home. You're my brother. I love you. Come on, let's play games together or whatever. And it was the dad who stayed inside and sulked. The numbers are exactly the same. One family member loved and one family member rejected. But I don't know about you, in that non-biblical version of the story, it's not a happy ending. It's like, oh, that's not how it should be. Why is that? And please, I know I'm standing on delicate ground here, but I believe there's something within us, the way we've been made, that says something along the lines, in life, it's not okay until it's okay with Dad. Now, I know that's a challenging statement because on a human level, for many of us, it's not okay with dad on earth and I'm not wanting to hurt anybody with that statement but I'm wanting to for you to understand it's okay with the dad who really matters it's okay it's okay with you see it's wonderful that Jesus loves me but actually it's fundamentally more profound when I understand the Father loves me. It truly, truly, truly is okay with Dad. And when it's okay with Dad, it's okay. Paul says it in Romans, if God, the Father, is for me, who can be against me? I feel like a little kid in school and I've been picked on and I can say, hey, my dad is bigger than your dad. Mess with me, you're going to mess with my dad. That's my heart for you today, is not to stir up your heart with an earthly father thoughts. I believe God wants to take us on the journey to bring life and healing into those relationships too, but it starts by realising it's okay with Dad in heaven. And from that comes security. From that comes a sense of it's going to be okay because it's okay with him. Jesus didn't save us from him. Jesus died to reconcile us back to him. And it wasn't he that needed to change his attitude. It was us. It says it this way in 2 Corinthians it says God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. The Father was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. What a year we've come off, 2020. We're all hoping that clock changed over to 221 or 2021 
is going to change everything. Probably not. Probably not. But you know what? No matter what happens, he's in control. It doesn't always mean it's going to be nice. You've only got to look at history. It doesn't always work out well for Christians. Being a Christian doesn't mean no problems, but there's a world of difference going through a problem by yourself or going through a problem knowing Dad's there. That's what matters. Whether good things happen this year or next, or, or bad, I should say, we all vote for the good, but regardless of what happens, Dad is there. He knows us. He loves us as much as he loves Jesus. In fact, he sent Jesus to die for us. He's more committed to you and your family and the things that concern you than you are. He's a dad that's given everything to us to make it right. What is it that concerns you right now? You could fill in your own dots here. Life would be perfect if it wasn't for dot, dot, dot. Oh my goodness, we've all got those dots, haven't we? Oh, life would be so different if it wasn't for that. This morning, I want to encourage you to give those things to God. Not forget about them, not, not worry. No, you can't run away from them, but simply to say, God, if you love me that much, I'm choosing to trust you with this. You are the mighty Father who loves me and I'm choosing to trust you with this. I know you want to do good in this. And again, I lift that up to you and put it in your hands because that's the safest place for it to be. Maybe this morning you're visiting or maybe you haven't been to church for a long time, whatever, and you, you kind of understood what I've talked about, but you feel, look, I don't know if, if I'm in. I don't know if... God loves me as you'll say he does love you but the way we receive that love is through Jesus Jesus did die for us but not to calm down an angry father he died to take that penalty for our sin and all God wants from us is to come home like the prodigal son and the way we do that is in our hearts saying God please I've messed up please forgive me God never wants to embarrass us or belittle us He's like the dad when the son came home. There was no grilling. There was no, what did you do with the money? It's, no, I'm so glad you're home. Come on home. The father is inviting you today, if you've never done that, to say, Father, I open up my heart to you. Thank you that you love me. And I accept that forgiveness. Come into my life. I want to know you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I'm just going to ask us all to pray a prayer. And maybe to give as all a moment of uh, privacy we'll all pray it together aloud and so let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer and uh, to make it easy i'm going to pray it out loud if you want to repeat it with me and everyone repeat it out loud just so no one's embarrassed in this so let's just pray dear heavenly father i open my heart to you and i thank you that you love me thank you that your son jesus died for me that I might be forgiven and I accept that forgiveness today 
And I ask you to take my life and become part of my world, I pray. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stay in prayer, heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant that in your heart, I just want you to do one more thing. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you, but just so that I can pray for you. I'm not going to come to you. You're not coming here. But where you're seated, if, if that you prayed that prayer, I'd love you right now just to lift your hand up, give me a wave, say, yeah, I prayed that. I want that relationship. I prayed that. And I'm just going to pray for you. Who prayed that prayer? Said, yep, that was me. I'm coming home. I want that relationship. Not to prolong this, but I don't want to miss you if you're here. Great. Thank you over my left. Thank you so much. Takes courage to do that. Took me about three months to get the courage to do that in my own life. Thank you. That's awesome. Second person. Who else? Saying, yep, yes, thank you. Again on my left. That's awesome. That's awesome. Who else? I want to miss you. There's a bit of a struggle going on. Hey, cross that line. Say, yep, I do mean this. I do. It's not a secret thing in my heart. I do mean this. Who else? Great. I'm going to pray for these folk, and then I'm going to pray for the rest of us. Father, I thank you for these, these folk that raised their hands. They had the courage to do that. Lord, thank you that you love them so much. Thank you Jesus died for them. And thank you right now they're opening up their heart to you. And you always respond to this prayer 100%. Right now you're coming into their hearts and bringing a sense of forgiveness and joy and life as they are reconciled back to you, Father. Lord, just consume them with your love. Fill them with a sense of love from your heart today I pray keep your hand upon them may they get to know you more and more and more every day I pray Father for the rest of us Lord right now we lift up those things that are concerning us Lord those things that weigh us down the things that make life difficult right now we give them to you again by faith knowing that you're a good father and we can trust you with them Lord you're in control and our lives are yours and so we give these things to you, trusting you that you're a good dad working out good in and through each and every one of these situations. Lord, we trust you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just give the Lord a hand. Eh? He's such a good dad, a great dad. Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Pastor Darren.